Jealous. Jealousy! Jealousy! You're just bugged because you're not doing it. Pick <laughs> it up there, Skipper. We're just jealous. We're not only jealous, but we have a deep streak of competition that runs through us. It's as if it's a fantastic race, a big galloping foot race, and that track stretches out in front of you endlessly. And beside you, the countless millions of your fellow citizens of the world. We're all running towards the finish line. The flags are flying. Come a time, baby. You're gonna regret it. Someday, someday when you are lonely, your heart's gonna break. It's gonna bust like mine, and you're gonna want me only, baby. After you've gone, after you've gone, it's gonna be too late. You split and shut the door after you've gone away. All together, gang. Oh, I'm gonna weep and cry. After you've gone and left me crying. After you've gone, boom, boom, boom. Someday when you're lonely, your heart's gonna bust like mine. Oh, I'm so sad. Just, you're gonna be, you're gonna want me only after you've gone. After you've gone away. After you've gone and left me crying. After you've gone, oh, 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 there ain't no denying. You'll feel bad. You're gonna feel blue. You're gonna feel sad. You're gonna miss. You're gonna miss the greatest, greatest, greatest man you ever had. There'll come a time, and don't you forget it. There'll come a time when you'll regret it. Someday, when you are lonely, your heart's gonna bust like mine. <laughs> You're gonna want me only. Here you go. It's too late. After we've split, you go away. Well, what's the matter? Are you jealous? 
Is that what it is? I want to hear just one person. Just one small person. That's all I need. Night after night, I wring my poor bones dry. Night after night. Out of this turnip, this me. Out of this rock, this me. I try to draw a little blood for you. For what? For what? Do you think it's to sell Miller beer? Huh? Do you think I get any satisfaction out of selling Miller beer? Huh? You doggone well, tootin' dead. You doggone well, t- Miller High Life in Pop and Pour Cans. Distinctive Miller High Life in Pop and Pour Cans. Just pop and pour Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. No opener needed. And inside every can, enjoy the hearty yet light goodness of Miller High Life. Brewed from a century-old recipe, only in Milwaukee. Miller High Life always gives you that perfect taste in beer every time. Always a bright, clear taste. Unequaled, unquestioned, unchanging. Now you can enjoy refreshing Miller High Life in Pop and Pour cans. Pop and Pour Miller High Life. Always sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Now in Pop and Pour cans. Yes, that's all I need. Just one little word of encouragement. A small word. All I want is just to hear one voice crying out of the wilderness. Hooray, Shepherd! Hooray, you're fantastic! Hooray, Shepherd! There ain't nobody in the world like you! Hooray, Shepherd! For president of the world! That's all I want. Just one little word here and there of encouragement. That's all we only want, all of us. Just a little cheering. Just a little solace from time to time. Just a little indication. Just the smallest clue. That somebody cares. That somebody cares. <laughs> I sang my heart out for you there just about five minutes. I, my, I, I almost blew a gasket for you. For all of you out there in the island. For you, you slobs out in Staten Island. For that nothing bunch up in the Bronx. And what do I get from you? You turn away. Listening to that. That, that, oh boy, that guy down the dialer with the phones. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm an expert on the wild, yeah. What do you want, huh? The call? You want to hear about the call, huh? Well, I'll tell you about the call, he's a bum. Next question, please. Casey Stengel? Yeah, well, the Mets, they ain't gonna win. Stengel? Yeah, Stengel, yeah, he's a bum, yeah. Next question, please, yeah. Turning away, rejected by my own compatriots, and not a sound. Do I hear anybody sing? Even even the engineers here, they turn away. One of them curled his lips sarcastically when I came in and said, Where is the crowd? That's right, where is the crowd? Where is that maddening crowd? <laughs> well, it's a tough, hard game. And I guess about all a man can do is scrabble and dig down in this deep, hard, flinty soil of existence. Try to pull out a few little turnips. To make a buck here and maybe eke out a quarter, maybe a sou, maybe a shekel there. A little buck here and a little buck there. Feel like going to town? Fly Pan Am to London Town. 
Rent a room for just a few dollars a day. Pick up some theater tickets for a dollar a piece. Have fish and chips for 50 cents. Tour the town for the price of a bus ticket. Buy a custom-made suit for less than half the New York price. Have dinner in Soho for $2. See the Turners at the Tate for free. Ride the underground for next to nothing. Play darts in a pub just for the fun of it. And take a stroll along the Thames. It's only hours away. Pan Am has non-stop jets to London at 10 every morning and 7 and 8 every evening. And you can take advantage of Pan Am's low 14 to 21 day jet excursion fares to Europe. See a Pan Am travel agent or call 973-4000. For Pan Am, the world's most experienced airline. Oh, wasn't that exciting? Hello there. Hello. Oh, you want to encourage me? Let's hear it. All right, now wait a minute. Hold it, hold it, and I'll tell you what. Get some, get some, uh, get some heart into it. Get your guts into it. Let it roll. All right, let's hear it. Yes, once more. Brooklyn, what do you mean, Brooklyn for the world? We're not here to praise Brooklyn. We're here to bury Brooklyn. We're here to bury Brooklyn. I want to hear a, a shepherd cheer, Dad. Jay Shepherd, the village. Jay Shepherd, the village. We got a klutz on the phone. Holy smoke! See what I get? I get a member of the Rotary Club. I get, I get him. He said, "Yay, Shepherd, the village! Hooray, hurrah, oh, village!" Holy smoke! See what I mean? I'll tell you, I have a feeling that we're all going to be buried by knaves and fools before this is out. As a matter of fact, who was it? Was it Marcel Proust or was it Dorothy Kilgallen? Who was it? I, 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 the, the style is very similar. It was either Marcel Proust or Dorothy Kilgallen who said, I shall be undone by knaves and fools. Was that Marcel Proust or was that Dorothy Kilgallen? The styles are very similar, huh? <laughs> and, uh, you're right, it was Earl Wilson You're right, it's, uh, holy smokes Undone by knaves and fools Well, all of my life, huh? Yeah, that's right, I saw this cartoon You see this great cartoon in the, in the, uh, in the New Yorker it Shows this king sitting there It looked like Henry VIII And he's sitting there all spread out on his throne You know, and his big beard hanging there And he's got his crown pulled down over one side of his head And the queen is saying to him You really think you're it. <laughs> All right, come on now. Let's cut the phone bit in there. Now we're losing the show. Tell her to come on, come on. No more phone. Stop calling in here. We got to get back to work here. All you get one call from Brooklyn, the whole show goes out the window. Now, now, no, no, no. You just hold it there. You really think you're it? Well, I'll tell you this: the urge to compete, the urge to fight against our fellow man, is one of the deepest and probably one of the sneakiest of all of our appetites. We all know about sex, you know. The, the endless plays done about it. We all know about uh, uh, jockeying for power politically. But the one, the, the one area that nobody talks about is personal competition. There was a little note came in from Japan. Too hot drinking farmers. Special note from Japan. <laughs> Sporting news from Radio Tokyo. Radio Tokyo reports tonight. Two hard drinking farmers drank themselves to death last night on lice wine. Hurobono Nakomo and Matsua Tanamura were boasting about their drinking prowess when they decided to hold a drinking bout in a restaurant here in Tokyo. The youth won. 
drinking more than a quart of sake in four minutes, one minute faster than world record, and one minute faster than Nakono. Tamoro, however, died while being taken to hospital in taxi. Nakomo died ten minutes after he was taken home. However, we salute them tonight in the name of Japanese sportsmen. They gave their all. <laughs> Tokyo brings your sport news on the hour, 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 immediately following Lock and Lull. Uh, speaking of Lock and Lull, this is WOR AM and FM, New York. Speaking of which, this is actually WBAI in New York, and uh, we would like to apologize now for uh, whatever uh, audacity Mr. Shepard has doing uh, parodies of other radio stations and uh, radio networks. We'll be back immediately following John P. Gambling. Uh, what's going on in there? All kinds of excitement in there. <laughs> Gee whiz. I can't, I can't get my audience in the control room back with me. Will you please tell that lady down there that I don't need any more encouragement? One more bit of encouragement and I'm done, I'm telling you. You know, speaking of encouragement, and on this Friday night, uh, this is, uh, let, let's face it, Friday night is a drinking night. Uh, I come from a section of the country. Uh, I come from from uh, northern Indiana, the Steel Mill District, Skip, right on the south side of Chicago. In fact, the town that I live in, or lived in when I was a kid, hung to the underbelly of Chicago like a rotten barnacle hangs to the bottom of a rusty scow. That was the kind of town it was. You got the picture? It's hanging there right on the bottom. And every Friday night, the steel workers would come rushing out of the steel mill with blood in their eye and with sandpaper on their tongues <laughs> with, a, with a thirst you couldn't believe and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a kid and I, I see this all around me you could see them coming in great streams out of Inland Steel and out of Republic Steel out of Carnegie Illinois Steel out of Ryerson Steel a great, a great river of lemmings and all of them with their mouths hanging open go, ah, ah, and boom in they go into the taverns and for about two hours there would be silence in the town from about, I'd say from about 5 o'clock until about 7. And then the fist fights would break out. You could hear the solid, heavy sledgehammer blows of, of, the, of the men who worked in the open heart. And you could see the neat footwork of the blast furnace guys. That was a lighter crew. And then you saw the beautiful darting and edging and moving in of the tin mill workers. Every type of worker had his own style because they came from a different background. And I'll never forget, do you, want to, do, you, do you want to hear a story of drinking? And I'm not, I'm not advocating drinking, I'm not describing drinking, I'm just going to tell you something, uh, hardly anything really of much of American basic life is recorded in short stories, songs, uh, one thing and another. That is the kind of life that is contemporarily led by, by you know, just the, the ordinary klutz walking around. Well, I, I'm about 16 years old. I should save this story for the limelight. Uh, really, because, boy, would it wet the thirst of everybody down there. By the way, speaking of the limelight, tomorrow night, immediately following the Knicks football game, we are, is that football they play? What is it they play? Hockey? Ba badminton. Immediately following the Knicks badminton game here on WOR, we will come on the air. And we will be live down at the limelight. Now, I don't know how people got the idea or where they picked up the idea somewhere along the line that that is not a live show. I, I, I don't know who they think all those people are that are laughing and hollering and knocking over the glasses and getting in the fights. Uh, I was with a man today who is the general manager of a big outfit here in town, and uh, we got talking away, and finally uh, uh, I said to him, casual, I'd like to 
why don't you come down the limelight? You know, be my guest down there some Saturday night. And his mouth sort of hung open. He said, well, you mean uh, come up to the studio? And I said, no, come down to the limelight some Saturday night. Come on down and be my guest. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll Afterwards, we'll have a drink and holler and yell around. And he said, come to the limelight? You mean that's a live show? I said, well, where do you think we do that? Do you think we invent that in our head? I said, gee, I don't know. You mean you mean to do it from a place? What do you, you what do you do? You sit at a table with an earphone or something on your head? I said, no. And, and, you know, this is up on a stage with the lights and everybody yells and hollers and there's a thousand people down there. They come down, it's live. He said, well, isn't it taped? Don't you tape it sometime like Wednesday morning or something? Where do people get these nutty ideas? We are so used to phony things in our world. We really are, Skip, that we assume everything is phony, and when we run into something real, we think that's phony because it doesn't fit the phony stuff. He looked at me, well, it can't be much of a show if you don't tape it. <laughs> he did, because, you know, the Tonight Show is taped about four hours before they do it. I don't know why. It's just taped four hours, because somehow when something is taped ahead of time, it seems more official. This is taped earlier for a presentation at this time. That's an official show. If all of a sudden they said, We're now taking a studio away, and it's Johnny Carson. And Carson falls down, he's late, he runs in, Oh, 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 here I am. Oh. Well, somehow it isn't, isn't a real show yet. <laughs> no, I am live at the limelight, and uh, it's, uh, it's tomorrow night, and if you can't get down there, give a listen to it. And it's straight down 7th Avenue South, and it's a, it's, it's a ball. And speaking of that, now I'm going to have to I'm going to have to carry this a little further because we've been getting all kinds of mail about this. About four or five months ago, Playboy magazine casually mentioned, in connection with a story I had done for them, that we were about to release an album that was recorded at the limelight. An album, a kind of uh, an omnibus album of stories done at the limelight on the limelight show. And uh, they mentioned this, and ever since that time, I've been getting all kinds of letters from people saying, you know, where's the album, what is it, and when, and how, and all that. The album is now officially out. In fact, I'm, you know, it's a very exciting moment for me. <laughs> I can hear they're all yelling out there. Say, what do you mean exciting, Shepard? Very exciting moment to all of a sudden find you yourself with a new album out. And it came out, what was it, Wednesday? And it's called Gene Shepard, Live at the Limelight. That's a very clever title. And uh, it's on uh, Quote Records, and uh, you go in and, and tell your record dealer that you want a copy of uh, Gene Shepard Live at the Limelight on Quote Records. And if he says, what do you mean, Gene Shepard's a hillbilly singer or a girl that sings through her nose? Say, I do not want the girl that sings through her nose. I want the guy that talks through his nose. He's down at the Limelight in the village, okay? You know, speaking of, uh, of contests, and, and there's the peculiar thing about Friday night drinking. Now, I come from a non-drinking family. Now, that doesn't say they're against drinking. They just don't drink. My father's idea of a big night was to have a beer and a half. And after that, he always used to say, yeah, there one, one famous line about that. He'd say, oh, I said, beer gives me gas. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good old American phrase. And, and uh, he was about a beer and a half, man. And on a really wild night, a really wild night, my father would have with Uncle Carl and Uncle Fred and Uncle Al, they would have what they call a shot. And that was always accompanied by, by snickerings and sniggerings and get the kids out of the room and, and all that stuff, you know. And they would, they would have what they call a shot. 
And, uh, of course, you know, uh, that was it. Uh, they always had one little bottle, and they'd pour a little thing into the shot, and that was it. And then, then they all said, oh, boy. And they love to make a big thing over drinking. Have you noticed now today, when a guy drinks a martini, Skip, now this is pure alcohol. You know, after all, it's pure gin. When a guy drinks a martini, he just sips it. You know, he drinks it down. He just, uh, he, he makes no more face about it than if he was drinking tea or if he was uh, drinking Yoohoo or something like that. But my father was at the school of drinker. And, in fact, the whole family came from that school where drinking was considered a very sneaky and sort of a wild thing to do. So when they would take a, a, a little drink, see, they'd take this little glass and they'd go... They'd go... And all they're drinking, you know, is about 45 proof. <laughs> And you, you've seen guys do that. Make a big thing. Then they take a little another sip and they go, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Boy, that'll put hair on your tongue. Wow. Woo, wowie. And, and uh, they'd, they'd sit there and sip this one little drink all evening and play pinochle or something. And that was called the shot. Well, I, this is my idea of what drinking is about. Except Bruner, of course, next door. We didn't quite know what Bruner drank. No one knew... But all we knew was that Bruner would come home on one foot and one knee. He was the only guy I know who could walk on one knee and one foot at the same time and alternate every couple of blocks. He changed knees, you know, that kind of thing. And, and he was the neighborhood drunk, but no one ever really saw him drink, you know. He didn't sit on the back, for, back porch and just knock it down and yell and holler. So drinking was a kind of thing that was a peripheral activity in my family. I don't think I ever saw my father any more than uh, drunk. No, I mean, one shot, and he would get a little wild and would start telling dirty stories, you know, that kind of stuff. Get the kids out of the room. <laughs> one time, Al, there was this traveling salesman, see, and he's going through Griffith, Indiana. And, of course, he's had a flat tire on his car. And Uncle Al is sitting there, and Uncle Carl, all of them with their mouths hanging open, waiting to hear the dirty story. He's going through Griffith, Indiana, see. He's got a flat tire. Well, he gets out of the car, and he goes up. There's only one place around a farmhouse. He goes up and knocks on the door and says, uh, Farmer, uh, can I stay here overnight? I, I have to get my car fixed in the morning. The farmer says, Well, oh, uh, it's okay, except we've only got one bedroom. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> you know the story. Or at least you know 45 million variations of it. Well, that's what would happen after my father had one shot. Me and my kid brother are, are in the next room with our ears up to the hot air register trying to hear the rest of the story. You see, and feeling very guilty about the whole scene. Well, finally, here it is. Now, you got the picture. It is now uh, years of past. Uh, do you have any passage of time music in there, Skip? Anything. Just passage of time music. I think I'll do it. That's very good. Very good. After you've gone. That's uh, nostalgic passing of time music. After you've gone. Oh, there's no denying. Now I have grown. I have grown to ebullient yeasthood. I am now 16 years old. I'm eating a tasty yeast to keep my complexion in line. Listen, there's nothing, there's nothing more uh, male-like. There's nothing more completely male than to lie quietly in bed at night at 3 o'clock in the morning and listen to the sound of your pimples busting. At 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> now, don't come and tell me that that's in bad taste. I'm talking about life. Is it? I'm sorry. That's just the way life is. And uh, so, it, it, oh, it, it, there's, there's nothing, nothing more inspiring than to see a 16-year-old going into the bathroom, see, and he's standing in front of the mirror, 
He's got about 10 minutes before he catches the school bus, and all of a sudden he is aware that a whole new crop has grown out. You see? <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. That's the way it is. And uh, they don't show these commercials. Wouldn't that be a great commercial? Show this kid, you know? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Doing what they call euphemistically in Hammond, Indiana, squeezing. You know, it's good. All over the mirror, you know. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you, that's the story of all of our lives. And so here I am. I'm right deep in that period, and I got a summer job. Now, don't go away there. I'm going to tell you how different life is away from the P.J. Stay right here. How different life is away from the P.J. Clark orbit. I'm going to tell you about how it is out there. And so I'm 16. It is summertime, and I got myself a job working in the steel mill. This is my first experience outside of the family where the idea of a big drinking night is my father and Uncle Carl to have a clandestine shot. That was their idea of a fantastically bad night. And so now I am, I am assigned one afternoon to what they call a bull gang. Do you know what is it, a bull gang? Well, I'll tell you what a bull gang is. A bull gang, no, it has nothing to do with a village. No, I'm sorry. The bull, a bull gang, a bull gang is a group of roving laborers. This is a labor gang. You don't know the steel mill uh, expressions, do you? A bull gang is, guy, is a group of guys who work as a roving freelance bunch of laborers. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a team like. And wherever they have to load 17,000 pounds of sheet metal now, they call for bull gang number one or bull gang number two or bull gang number three. They put them in different slots. Oh, and you, you work like the proverbial horse. Have you ever heard the expression working like a horse? Well, let me tell you, I saw horses sitting around just picking their teeth compared to what the bull gangs. In fact, when we would be working some days, it used to make us mad. We'd be down there slaving like mad. And horses on the sidelines would talk about, oh, boy, it's like working on a bull gang, man. It's like working like a people. Uh, we would be bending over with our sweat pouring out. And so it is now about 3 o'clock in the afternoon on my first day in the bull gang, and we are working in the 40-inch soaking pits. Now, let me describe the soaking pits. I hope I'm not boring you here. Because this is, <laughs> this, is, this is outside of the P.J. Clark orbit and, and the casual martini drinkers. Now, the 40-inch soaking pits is really an offshoot of hell. Uh, it's, I think it's where Dante got his original ideas. Uh, oh, believe me. The 40-inch soaking pits consist of a series of pits dug into the ground. Now, these pits are about, oh, I'd say, picture this in your mind, Skip. I'd say they're about 25 feet deep. Oh, they're deep pits. They're about two stories deep. I would say they're on an average of maybe 65 or 70, maybe even 100 feet long. And they're about maybe 60 or 40 feet wide. They're like a big, long, deep swimming pool. Now, they're lined with a special ceramic material, a kind of like a lining that's inside of a stove. It's a heavy ceramic block, heat-treated block. And these soaking pits are heated from inside. They're heated from underneath and inside by a series of electrical coils and gas jets. It's like an open barbecue pit. You got the scene? Now, they bring ingots or pigs. Now, a, a pig is a large chunk of, of iron. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, been, it's now it's been drained off. It's not yet been made into steel. It's been drained off, off the uh, big ladles, the, the open hearth ladles, and it's now 
uh, the real stuff. It's iron and it's a it's a pig. It's a, they call, it's a it's an ingot. You know what it is in an ingot? The ingot is about maybe uh, eight or nine feet long. It's about four feet square deep and it's white hot. It is white hot. Now they lower these white hot pigs off of flatbeds. They call them pig cars logically. They lower them off of the pig car down into the soaking pit. And the soaking pit allows the pig, which is white hot, to cool, uh, to cool slowly. Now, you think, well, how can it cool in a heated oven? Well, the oven is much cooler than the white hot pig. So if you have something that's 300 degrees, the oven, and you're lowering something that's 2,000 degrees into it, naturally that seems cold to it. And so this iron slowly begins to cool off. Now, the reason they let it cool off slowly is so that it, don't, it doesn't form internal cracks and all kinds of things which come from uh, cooling off metal too fast. So now, you got the scene. We are now working in the, in the 40-inch soaking pits, which is, oh, you can't believe it. The heat is incredible. Dirt, heat, crud. And that smoke is rising constantly. And they lower these things down on, on, a, on a platform that's covered with oil. And the oil burns as it's lowered down. Boom. And the big claws reach down. Ding, 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 ding. things in and out and every I'd say of every third or fourth soaking pit is what they call cooled that means they're cooling it down and they are now putting new bricks inside these bricks burn out well I am on a bull gang that has been assigned to cleaning out the scale and the crud out of the bottom of a soaking pit incidentally they do not allow the soaking pits to cool off they keep the heat on while you work on it because it takes so much money to reheat them, you see, so they just leave it go all the time. So they lower us down there, and we're wearing asbestos suits. And they lower us, each one of us, and put a suit on, you know, like these space suits, and they've got a big trowel. It's actually a big, long metal bar with a big scooper on the end, and you run around real fast, and you chip away at the scale down there. The scale is stuff that forms on the metal when she's lowered in. It's just like scales, you know, scales on... And you have wooden shoes. They have given each one of us a pair of thick wooden shoes that fit on the bottom of our asbestos suit. But the minute you touch the ground, the shoes start burning. Literally burning. Smoke as you... Hot. You are allowed two and a half minutes in the soaking pit. And then you jump back up. They go... They blow the whistle. You jump back up on the little scale. Up you go. It's like a deep sea diver, and they're lowering the other guy down. And then you run over and you sit down at the bench. Oh, oh boy. Oh, oh, Charlie, what am I doing here? <laughs> and you get at the end of the line. There's there's about 40 of these guys, and each guy works up, and then it's, it's your turn again. You got the scene? Okay. So we work all day at this. And now it is 10 minutes to 4. The shift is out at 4 o'clock. 
and they they take all of us out. They put us in our in our little bus, and they're taking us back to the dressing room. There's a dressing room way at the end of the 40-inch mill where all our clothes are hanging, wicker baskets from the ceiling, all hanging down. The winter underwear, everything in the summer clothes, and all it's all hanging. Thousands of pairs of overalls. They hang them. You know why they hang them from the ceiling? So the rats don't get them. <laughs> so everything is hung from the ceiling. So you come into this place. You're sweating. Oh, boy, you're sweating. And nobody wants to take time out even to take a shower, you know. You've only got about, you want to get to the bus, the first bus, get out of this hellhole. And so everybody puts his, puts his fortune on a smell to high heaven. You know, they've been sweating eight hours a day in the soaking pits. All you do is wipe your face off and you wipe your hands off. You put your sports shirt on, you put on your chino slacks, you put on your tennis shoes, and you run, run out like mad and stand by the clock house and wait for the bus to take you out to the gate. <sighs> We're all standing, the bull gang. About 65 of the bull gang, all, a whole crowd of us, Mexicans, there were Peruvians, there were Polish, and there were, there were Slovaks, and there was, there was me, there were Swedes, and there were Italians, and there were Germans, there were all kinds of guys, all waiting, the bull gang. And, and of course, we work on tonnage, you know. The more we work, the, the, the more, the more that the 40 inch mill turns out in the day, the more we earn. We have really turned it out this day. So we're all standing there like the Chicago Bears football team after mopping up the floor with the Giants. Just standing. Guys are chewing their tobacco. And you hear about 45 languages. Oh, what do you want, Stasha? Hey, Stasha! How's the boy, old Stasha? All that, oh, oh that's, that's, that's the typical steel mill word, words, you know. How's the boy, Stasha? You see Stella? Oh, what a chick! Oh, you know, that's, that's typical humor in the steel mill. Yell and holler. So finally the bus comes, and away we go. And we're all sitting in that big, long, open bus taking us to the clock house. We go for one mile. A couple of guys got their lunch boxes, and they still have a salami sandwich left, and they're eating it. And you can just smell the, the sweat of honest labor. Boy, does it stink. <laughs> the guys are yelling. Somebody goes, hey, Stasha! Hey, Stasha! Stick your head out the window, Stasha! Maybe it'll blow the stink off you! The wind! Ha <laughs> ha! You know, that's typical steel mill humor. Now, don't come back and yell at Holler Shepherd is in bad taste. This is life, friend. And, and this, is, this is the way it's being lived right now at this instant. In fact, in about 45, well, actually, yeah, in about 45 minutes, the swing shift will be coming off duty in the 40-inch soaking pits out in Inland. Right now, they're beginning to look at the clock. Right at this very minute. They're back there knocking down the salt tablets, and they're looking at the clock, and they're thinking about the joint that I'm going to talk about. And somebody up at the front hollers, Hey! Hey, Stasha! You going to the Eagle? And you hear Stasha holler, What do you mean, the Eagle? You want to go to the Eagle again tonight, Stan? Yeah, I want to go to the Eagle. Okay. The Eagle. I'm sitting there, you know, this is my first day with the bull gang. What is the Eagle? Eagle, Eagle. What is the Eagle? And I'm sitting down. And I want to be so much part of this crowd. Boy, I want to be part of it, you know. Because they all knew each other. They'd been working together for years, the whole gang. And here I was. I was an extra man. It was about four of us extra guys. So we're rolling on out to the clock house. Here we are at the clock house now. And everybody goes rushing in like mad. And there's a certain, you know, there's even a certain kind of pecking order in who gets the cards first. Big, tough guys, big bow hunks are right in the front there, you know. And all the little guys sort of trail off behind. Boing, 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 punch of the card. Oh, yeah, they punch that old card. Boing, 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 boing. 
And right across the road, I noticed that as each guy would get at the end of the line, of the clockhouse line, he'd ring the thing and he'd boom, he'd shoot like a rock. I figured, you know, they're going out to catch the bus. So I'm in front of about four guys and behind about 30 guys and you could just feel that edge come out. Hey, we're going to the eagle. Let's go. And I am now at my clock number. Boing. I hit the bell and the guy goes, come on, let's go, kids. Get moving. Boing. Boom. We go shooting out of the door. All of us like we're shot out of a gun. And right across this rotten, crummy steel mill road, which looks like it's made out of gravel and it's crisscrossed by 18 million high-tension wires and telephone wires and streetcar wires and lit by the flickering smoke and steam and the light flame of the blast furnace in the open hearth, is this store right directly across the store. And it has on the front of it, painted in gold, a half-baked-looking eagle. This eagle had one wing that looked like a pigeon wing and another wing that looked like a robin wing and a big beak that looked like a vulture. And underneath it, and its two claws are hanging out, and one claw's got a hold of one claw's got a hold of an American flag in red, white, and blue calcimine, and the other claw's got a hold of a flag that says CIO Steelworkers Union Local 1010. <laughs> the eagle. So boom, they run like mad right across the street, and the cars are stopping. You know, boom into the eagle. Well, let me tell you what the Eagle is like. The Eagle is like a, a one-story store that has been totally cleared out. And running from one end of the store to the next, just right down the ed, right down the middle of it, is a plank bar. It's made out of planks laid on sawhorses and hammered down. And down at the far end, there is a big, empty Coke machine that's filled with ice. That's all. They don't have any Cokes in there. It's just filled with ice. And it's got about 8,000 bottles of beer all sticking out. They don't even have draw beer, you know. 8,000 bottles of beer. And next to it is another great big Coke, uh, big Coke thing there, all filled with ice. And it's got bottles of whiskey in it, just bottles of whiskey. It doesn't even have a label on it, just big bottles of whiskey. And down at the far end, have you ever been to a catered affair and you see all those glasses? Well, at the far end, they have all, all knowing that the 4 to 12 shift, knowing that the 8 to 12, knowing that the 8 to 4, whatever shift it is, knowing that the shift is now making a change, they have filled up about 14,000 shot glasses with giant triple shots of this nameless poison. And they're all lined up down there. You know, it's like a party. And there, these these two bartenders, big guys named Steve and Bolek, are down there, you know, and they've got a hold of these glasses. And as each guy comes in, he hollers, Give me two, Steve! Boom! He pushes two out. You slap a buck down, and you get two of these monsters for a buck. Not only do you get two of these monsters, if you want to throw in another 15 cents, you get a beer to chase it. Give me a beer! Give me, a, give me two of the chaser! And boom! They go in. Well, they grab these bottles. Each guy in front of me grabs a glass of this stuff. He goes, <laughs> he grabs the next one, <laughs> and then he takes the bottle of beer and goes, holy <laughs> smokes! He is now unwinding. You know, <laughs> hey, hey, Stasha, hey, hey, Pasca, hey, Patsy, hey, oh. And they start yelling and hollering. They're beginning to unwind. And without even thinking twice, they slap the next buck down and they get two more of these babies. Well, here I am with this guy from the from the bull gang. He says, come on, kid. I'm buying. Boom. Down goes his buck. And the next thing I know, I have got a glass about the size of my little orphan Annie Ovaltine shake-up mug. 
I have got this glass and it is steaming. There are little snakes crawling around in it. I can see little claws sticking out over the edge, you know. And once in a while, something with a forked tongue sticks his head on and goes, like that. And the guy who's with me, Alex, he goes, come on, kid, drink up. Let's get going here. And he takes his and he goes, Give me another one. Come on, Stan, let's go. And I take mine. Well, I'm one of the bull workers now. I've got my corduroy jacket on. I've got the whole scene. I'm one of the bull workers. i got a great big thing that says open heart labor on me, you know, the button. So I take the glass and I go, whoop, whoop. <laughs> you know, and I'm holding it back, and it's inside of me that it's going. My eyeballs are sticking out, and... Alex says, here, have a chaser. And he gives me a bottle. To me, beer was strong. Beer was strong. And I take the beer. It tastes like cold water. Oh. <clears throat> I couldn't even, up to this point, you know, up to the time that, that I had never even been able to drink a whole beer. Oh. 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 I'm drinking the beer just to clear my throat. I got calluses all the way down. You know, I could feel my feet burning on the bottom. Oh. 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 I got another one in my hand. I got another one in my hand. What are you going to do? They're hitting my elbow and yelling and hollering, telling dirty stories. And down goes the next one. Ooh. Ooh. By the way, the next one didn't do as much as the first one. I go, ooh, ooh. Does this sound like PJ Clarks to any of you out there, friends? <laughs> Sorry, what are you worried about? Let's go. Oh, we got plenty of time. So I go reeling on out. We and about 15 other guys go reeling out. And, of course, these guys, nothing. They're not even affected at all. They're just as cool as, as cucumbers. You know, they've been doing this ever since they went five. And I sat in that bus going home. I, I couldn't move. I sat like I had been cast in bronze. You know how they, they cast baby shoes? There I was with my laces hanging out, my tongue. It was, it was tickling. Everything was tickling all over my head, my feet. It was like everything was going to sleep. And I just sat there. And I felt embarrassed. You know? I just sat there. <laughs> my stomach was churning. And I was getting sicker and sicker. I could feel something happening down there. It was beginning to mix up with the, with, the, with the fish that I'd had for lunch, you know, and the salami sandwich. It's beginning to mix up with my bottle of milk. <laughs> but then, you know, funny thing. As I got closer and closer to home, I, get, I began to feel vaguely warm. I began to feel like a steel mill worker. And as I got off the bus, I hollered to this guy, Hey, Gaza! Hey, Gaza! See you tomorrow at the clock house, you slob! And out into the darkness, I was a true Friday night kid. I was right that No, no heritage. Come on. So that's, run of the, that's run of the station. <laughs> Hanging there by the strap, hoping for better things. So we'll see you tomorrow night, gang. Be the first in your neighborhood to feel that tingling sensation behind the eyeballs.